Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us for episode 27 of Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the most important public office that no one ever talks about. And uh, so let's get right into it. David, what is the most important public office that no one is talking about? Well, first of all, I should be asking you the question. You're the resident expert on all things politics, but I would definitely say that it's uh, it's school committee. It's not the presidency or the governorship or even uh, all respect to you and um, no disrespect to, to our sitting state senator here, but it's not the, the the House of Reps or the state senators. It's the school committee, because um, the, the school committee is charged with uh, with the policies and the guidelines and the curriculum and all the stuff that's that's going to be used to to form and raise up not just you know the the, the next generation, but they're they're tomorrow's leaders, they're tomorrow's in, innovators, they're tomorrow's producers and builders and citizens. So. I would say school committee uh, mm-hmm. is certainly the most undervalued, and I would argue that it's the most important, but it's also the most accessible. It's the one that that most people, if they were really willing to make a difference somewhere in their community, they could probably make a difference in their school committee. Uh, even if it's just showing up at the meetings, we're not even talking about running for school committee. We could talk about that later on today. If you want to stick around towards the end of the, uh, the episode, we'll talk about how to run for school committee, but I think it's, um, it's, it's accessible. It, it's writing them, talking to them because most school committee meetings that, uh, until recently anyways, um, have been, um, you know, not well attended. Almost nobody shows up. Nobody's really interested. Uh, it seems to be only in the last uh, year, maybe year or two, that we've seen a lot of people interested in school committees because of things like CRT, and there's the masking of uh, students controversy, um, whether or not students are learning in person or on site. So there's all sorts of questions that that parents are being um, uh, that are par- parents are concerned with that school committees are now having to deal with and wrestle with. And if you have strong opinions about those, strong beliefs about them, and you feel that your school committee is not really listening to you, then I think uh, you, you should be weighing in. You should be talking yeah. to them. The school committee, you, the meetings are held in the evening. And I know that everybody has jobs and they're, they're busy. Kids have soccer and, you know, whatever other activities. But uh, usually what happens is the, um, the, the parents that attend are usually the parents that are heard. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. You know, we're talking about the mask issue. Yeah. There's going to be um, a school committee hearing or meeting um, next week. Next week. Yeah. yeah this, this coming week. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be parents for and against the masking of students there at school. And I would encourage those of us who live in North Smithfield, go have your voice heard. Right. And again, it's usually the parents that show up. But it's not even limited just to North Smithfield. I think the entire state, all the districts are yeah. taking a hard look at this. Mm-hmm. You um, you were showing me a, uh, a letter that was put together by 30 or 34 state senators that were all begging the general governor, members, the general yeah. assembly, yeah, state senators were all begging Governor McKee to mandate that every school require students to wear masks. You know, the, the other issue with that is town, cities and towns 
should be making the decision. Right. And that goes to the question, what is a school committee? Right. What is a school committee? Why don't you answer that? Okay. Well, uh, <laughs> I was, um, you know, I, I had the broad strokes, uh, you know, as to what they're charged with. And in short, they really are the policymakers uh, for every school department. So in your city or town, if there are certain policies that your school abides by and, and practices and has formulated, and you've wondered where that came from or why do they do that, it really is the school committee that has uh, come up with that policy. But there's literally dozens of responsibilities that they have, everything from procedures and taking a look at the budget, uh, signing contracts, the uh, the performance standards and curriculum decisions, uh, disciplinary actions, how to deal with staffing, uh, the facilities of the schools, uh, appointing the superintendent who really leads the school department on a day-to-day -day, um, uh, basis. All of those things mm, come yeah. from the school committee. Contracts and overall policies as well. Mm -hmm. um, those are so important, Dad. I mean, we're talking about or policies, contracts, appointing superintendents. I mean, so. you're talking about money there. You're talking yeah. about curriculum. So what our children are learning. The the if you're not happy with the standards in place at your in your school district, or you're not happy with the performance that you feel that the the school is not really meeting the academic um, or not providing the students with academic rigor, really providing a, a, a you know a good setup for college and for careers mm -hmm. and even citizenship or for basic life, then you should be looking at school committees because they're the ones that are going to be weighing in on that. Yeah, yeah, so good. Um, so so let's why, ask the next question. So we talked about why um, what does the school committee do? So why the second question would be why should you be interested in school committee? Well, as I've said, I think it's because the the school committee is uh, is the presiding committee that's over our schools, and mm -hmm. it's in our schools that I think, not I think I know as a as a former educator, um, I know that it, our schools are the ones that are shaping the minds, the worldviews, the opinions, the thoughts, the. Uh, everything that a student is going to think about, well, he, the schools are shaping that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, students aren't just learning critical thinking in school. They're learning critical theory and critical race Which theory. Are different things. Those are totally different things. Yeah. And uh, we need critical thinking. I think that's probably the thing that's lacking in today's yeah. schools. They're being taught to memorize things or be angry about things or be active and activists, but they're not being taught how to critically think about, you know, incentives and cause and effect and what are the opposite arguments or the opposing arguments to a point of view. And okay, this is a good idea and that will solve a problem, but what are the unintended consequences that will be created because we've just, you know, given everyone a thousand dollars, you know, every month for, for six months. Uh, what, what could be, uh, that sounds like a great thing. What could be wrong with that? Yeah, well, there's, cons, yeah. right. So in school, we should be teaching our students these kind of things. And unfortunately, um, I know a lot of great schools and a, a lot of great teachers that are trying to do their best and they are still, you know, imparting some critical thinking to their students, but not all, unfortunately, not all are. So I think yeah. that there's a, like a lot of important reasons why people should be interested in school committee. But what about you? Well, we were just talking about um, critical race theory, CRT, for those of you um, who haven't heard our last podcast on critical race theory, but um, there's been a lot of talk about school committees hearing this, um, 
really important topic. And are they going to implement this critical race theory into um, the curriculum? And so this is again why I say the parents that show up are heard. And you were talking earlier, you and I were talking about Westerly and what happened there where Mm -hmm. um, the school committee had said they're not going to implement it. And then... Well, parents did their part. Parents heard about CRT being introduced to the school, showed up in mass, and then got the committee to say, all right, we hear you. Don't worry. We're not going to do anything with CRT. And then literally in the next school committee meeting, the parents didn't show up and they they, they slid so the it right into the... the parents trusted the school committee. Right. And then... They should all be recalled in my... I mean... And I hope that those in Westerly remember and and run against these individuals for, for lying to them. Mm. But okay. So, uh, yeah, there's that, um, were there any other issues? Well, I was thinking, you know, earlier this week we had a chance to meet Nicole solace and, um, Mm -hmm. or you've met her before, but it's my first time seeing her. And, uh, she was uh, talking about the importance of getting involved in this kind of stuff. And she just reminded us that our children are, are our most important uh, possession. That they're, at the end of the day, they're all we have. They are the most important thing we have. Uh, And she's just stressed, we can't just surrender them to school and just trust that the experts are going to be good and agree with us and be sensible. Unfortunately, many of them are going to be misguided. They're not going to share our values or our worldview. And that, um, that means that it's up to us. It behooves us to be more involved in um in what our children are being taught yeah you didn't know her but uh she was a family member she knew me and then she got to you know get 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 to know you but uh she ended up becoming someone that you trusted you could count on she worked with you so in your words what does a campaign manager do um for me a campaign manager was somebody that um was there uh, to lend their ear um, if I was frustrated with something or if I needed someone to look over some of my uh, press releases just to make sure you know I didn't have any errors in it, um, but um, encourage me, obviously, but also keep me accountable. Like I knew that my campaign manager had the day planned out for me, like the, and the houses that we were going to visit, the streets that we were um, going to drive down. So I knew that I couldn't flake out and be like, oh, I just want to be in the pool with kids today. Or, you know, I'm going to take the day off because I have errands to run. It was like, I knew she was coming. And um, so it it sounds like a fancy title, um, but it's really someone that's going to kind of take care of the back end stuff. Like you're the candidate, you're going to be knocking on doors and they're going to help you be ready to do it. So there's some accountability in there. And of course it depends on the skill set of every person that decides to wear this role of the campaign manager. But I've heard that the role does a lot of, a lot of things. Maybe they're setting up the website. They're helping you to uh, design your, your palm card. They're getting them printed. They'll pick them up. Uh, They're doing as much as they can so that you, the candidate, can really be out there knocking on doors, meeting people, answering questions, introducing yourself, and getting into the community. So as much as you can find a campaign manager, and usually it's a it's a friend, a best friend, a family member, a supporter, somebody in the town, uh, but somebody who's willing to be committed to this thing uh, as, as you are the candidate. And then what about canvassing the district? How important would you rate that for a campaign, even it, for school committee? It's the single most important thing that you can do. If you can't afford a website well knocking on doors is the most important so when i started really all i had was a palm cards and my sneakers 
mm-hmm. knocking on doors. Um, and then, you know, I had my bank account, but it had nothing in it. And the campaign bank account, yeah. let's be clear. <laughs> um, we're not broke. <laughs> yeah, the campaign bank account. Okay. Right. And, uh, it, and as I had fundraisers, then obviously, um, I was able to raise some money for, for, for a website and other right. necessary things. But that is the most important. If you, yeah. um, you know, don't do anything else, right. knocking on doors and handing someone a palm card is the most important thing you can do. Right, right. And for uh, even for an office like school committee, um, the goal should be to get to every voter's home, right? And yes. you can usually find the, uh, the the list of voters and who votes in your your um, your town or city mm-hmm. at the uh, at town hall. Right. Um, all right. What about the um, the the idea of uh, actually declaring your candidacy? So you may declare that you're running and you're telling people and your friends know, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that the state knows that, and the state does need to know, or the town needs to know, right? So right. there's filling out a declaration of candidacy form. Sounds very official, but they're more or less asking for your name, your birthday, your residency. Um, they're, they want to know what office you're going to run for. Mm-hmm. So when does that, and when does some of that paperwork have to be filed and submitted? It's in the month of June and it's a three-day window. And I think it's like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that's when you're getting signatures to get on the ballot. Like mm-hmm. usually, you, I think for the state Senate, you need uh, is it a hundred? Then for state rep, it's fifty. Yeah. For school committee, it might be fifty. I would imagine. I have no idea. I think it's but fifty. That's when I guess. ran for office and I had my declaration of candidacy form, you know, um, to get on the ballot. I mean, the um, uh, you have to have registered voters mm-hmm. um, right. sign. It's yep. not that they're voting for you, but they're just allowing you to be on the ballot. That's exactly. how I explain it to people. Yeah. Um, and so that's a great opportunity for you to canvas. Yeah. Hand out a palm card, talk to a voter, and get their signature to get you on the right. ballot. Knock so. on doors. Yeah, you yeah. did. You were doing that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So there, there's all that, and then there's the uh, the, uh, the the idea of uh, getting your name out there, not just by knocking on doors, but once you do get some fundraisers together and you get some some money in your bank account, you can start doing some print and maybe even uh, uh, some social media posts. Uh, or or online advertising. So wh- uh, what about the local print? Um, was that something that, that you did and you would recommend others to do? Every district is different. So in Burville, we have something called the Bargain Buyer, which is very unique to Burville, and it goes to every Burville resident. So I advertise in the Bargain Buyer, and then um, there's the Valley Breeze. And, I and that shows say, up in North Smithfield. There's yeah. a Valley Breeze that ends up in Gloucester, in Gloucester too. Gloucester, yeah. Right. And that was like Gloucester situate, and I don't have the situate, but... And then um, North Smithfield, I think does North Smithfield, Cumberland and Blackstone and Mass. Mm-hmm. So, but it's very expensive to do. So again, you're prioritizing where your dollars need to go and right. palm cards are number one. And if you're going to, um, uh, if you can advertise, you can, you don't have a lot of funds. Social media is the way to go because it's very inexpensive to, um, to do it on social media and you can target your audience. Right. But if you're planning on doing that, you need to start um, at least a few months in advance because Facebook has some requirements to verify that you are an actual candidate and not like a Russian bot. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the, yeah, t- there's a little bit of work on that. And hopefully that's the kind of thing that uh, a good campaign manager yes. can help you with. Yes. Um, all right. So that, that kind of gives you the short end um, summary, but really, uh, you know, a 10 minute summary of what it would take to run for school committee, at least the basics. 
course, there's a lot of training that you could get, especially with the uh, Rhode Island Republican Party. They have uh, candidacy workshops that we would encourage you to look into. And you can contact the GOP, the state party, if you want to learn more about that. But uh, for sure, if you are interested in running for school committee, we would definitely recommend you start searching out your town committee and uh, make it clear to them that you are interested in running or at least getting involved in supporting a candidate. Remember, not everyone is going to be suited for candidacy and actually running for these offices, but the uh, candidates are all looking for help um, in doing anything, any number of things. Uh, so Jess, any last words on school committees, um, their value, what they are, or why a person might uh, consider running for them? Yeah, there's so many quotes out there about uh, running for office. And um, I just think that we we have to get involved. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know if it's because I'm involved, but I just feel such a sense of urgency that um, that individuals, especially within the Republican Party um, and even our more libertarian-leaning friends need to run for office to mm -hmm. provide uh, a balance to government, which is, it works best when we have a balance. And right yeah, now it's we're imbalanced. so, yeah. Imbalanced. Yeah. And, and that's true, um, especially statewide in our state. It's, um, it's abysmal. I right, mean, it's yeah. out of 38 senators, there's only five Republicans. So, um, there's, uh, there's always a, a lot of talk about <laughs> equality and equity, but it doesn't seem to be in terms of ideas. There's no room for equity there. Um, there, we just have to, yeah. to, they would prefer that we all have the same beliefs and and uh, step in line with them. But but I'm grateful that you stepped into the breach and you've been um, a faithful voice for people who might be more conservative or libertarian leaning like uh, like we are. Um, and uh, I guess my last thing as far as school committees would go, you know, it, it, it doesn't just have to be CRT that motivates you. It doesn't have to just be right. these kind of things or the curriculum. Um, uh, we we. Um, we both know that it's the school department that is the number one source of expenditures in a city and town. Mm -hmm. It's not the police or the fire department. So even just as a taxpayer, if you're interested in where resources are going and how the money is being spent, you should definitely be looking at the school department and how the resources are used and and, and how the money is spent there because yeah. um, it affects the tax base and affects whether or not you can have a senior center or it affects whether or not you can have you know new roads and bridges and and good um, um, good infrastructure. You got to make sure that um, the school department is well run. So there's a number of reasons why you should be paying attention to school committees. Yeah, I'm just kind of really quickly there that, um, you know, when I canvass, a lot of people ask me that that's their number one complaint. My property taxes are too high. Mm. And just so that you know that anywhere, and it's no, I know it's it's more than 50, but I'm going to tell you that yeah. from 50 to 70% of all of your taxes that you pay um, for property taxes, property taxes yeah. go to the school committee right. for the budget mm -hmm. um, for educating the children in your um in your town, in right. your city. So um, you're spot on. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you have ever complained about your property taxes, you should be looking not just, I mean, you've, you used to get people complaining to you and you say, I'm sorry, but I don't decide your property taxes. I'm a state yeah. lawmaker. We deal with the state budget, but your property taxes is a local issue. Yeah. So you really need to be talking to the school committee and how they're spending their money or the, um, uh, the, the local uh, town or, city council yeah 
All right. Well, hey, thanks for uh, hanging out with us uh, for this episode of Rhode Island's Church and State. I hope you have a great rest of the weekend and week, and we'll catch you next week. God bless you guys. All right. So that's kind of why you should be paying attention to school committee and what it is. But uh, now I wanted to kind of pivot and talk to those that might be thinking about running for school committee. Maybe that it's not something they would have even considered a year ago, but now they're thinking about it. And if this has no interest to you, then you can <laughs> no need for you to to torture yourself by by uh, you know hanging out with us for the next few minutes. But if you are interested in running for school committee or you just want to know what it would take and what that process would look like, stick around because um, we're we're going to kind of unpack it. You know, we we've talked to people who have run for school committee. Uh, my wife, of course, has run for state senate and, and led a couple of very successful campaigns. So those are a little bit of a different scale, but um, but still there are some things to consider. I think first, uh, Jessica, there are legal requirements that everyone should be familiar with. Uh, so do you want to walk us through the things you need? I think one of the, what you need a bachelor's degree. Um, no, you in need a PhD. Education? PhD. PhD. Okay. Yeah. In, in, um, applied <laughs> mathematics and, and also interpretive in, dance. Yes. Interpretive dance. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. No, the legal requirements are you have to be 18. Okay, You have right. to be a U.S. citizen and a resident of the district for 30 days. All right, so that's it. You just got to be 18. And I, I've seen some state senators that are like, you know, in their mid-20s. I saw one guy that was in there, I think the year, the term before you got up there. And he he literally looks like he's like, like he looked like a 22, 24 years old. Very, very young. I was like, what? I mean, they got some young we, I don't think we have there. a 22 year old lawmaker, but not now, but in the oh, past. In the past. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He looked very young. I actually met a young lady, uh, not in Rhode Island, but she was in college and she ran and she was the youngest person in her state. To oh, that's become. right. Yeah. Remember, so I remember that. Yeah. Mallory, from Montana. I think. Is, is, yeah. So, I she's amazing. Yep. Yeah. I remember I asked, what, what are you um, passionate about? What kind of laws do you want to pass? And she said, actually, I want to make sure that people can have access to um, uh, milk. What was it? Oh, raw milk. Raw milk. I was like, wow. That's a thing. She's like, yeah, we can't have raw milk, and a lot of people want yeah. want to be able to drink milk right from the cow. I was like, well, you go, girl. All right. Um, good so for yeah, you. eighteen U.S. citizen all and right. a resident for District Thirty Days. Those now. are the legal requirements, but there are the unofficial, the unofficial requirements. I think are just as important. Mm-hmm. What do you think they are? Um, I'm going to say that you probably have to care about kids. You better like children. <laughs> I was talking to a political strategist uh, earlier this week um, about, you know, you know, in preparation for this podcast and said, what are some of the things? And he said, you know, I shared some of my list. And then he said, wait a minute, you forgot this. And this was the first thing he mentioned. He said, you have to like kids uh, because you are being entrusted with the policies and the procedures and the curriculum for uh, children and you won't be working with children so it's not like you have to true want to like work with children yeah. you have to care about the future right right their future you so know? in my experience a lot of the school committee members that that i've seen and and heard from and interacted with most of them are parents parents is kids in the true. district but that's not even a requirement it's not like your kids have to go to the school some of them are accountants some of them which are makes lawyers. sense because you were talking about you're gonna be you're managing the, the budget, budget right yeah. the budget mm-hmm. there's personnel and staffing um procedures so th- it's it's quite the skill uh set 
that you're starting to develop when you uh, work on a on a school committee. So I think uh, you know that's an unofficial thing. You gotta like kids, uh, but you also have to be willing to commit to campaigning and committee meetings, yeah. and that may mean that you're saying no to vacations and no to other things that you may be interested in doing, making some sacrifices in your time, right. because this is going to become a huge part of your schedule. Sure. And the the question is, does your family support you? Yeah. Right. You don't want to do it if your family doesn't support you. We were very supportive of you, me, the boys, uh, even my mom, your mom, your, you know, our mm -hmm. families and friends. A lot of them were just absolutely, you'll, you'll do great. You'll kill it. You'll crush it. So, yeah. um, and then there's the, the tougher things, but uh, th this is where people have to get out of their comfort zone. Are you willing to actually ask someone to vote for you? Are you willing to ask someone to donate money to your campaign? Right. A lot of people get very weird about money and, and don't want to talk about it, don't want to ask for it. You said that's the one thing you hate doing. Oh, man. And I was telling you, I think it's because my mom ingrained me in a very... Parents don't realize how much power they have. Yeah. I just was always told you never accept anything from anyone, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so... And you kept that with you until you became a politician. <laughs> and then, and then I was like, I was like I give me your to. money. I need money. Right. And I'm not, you know, I can't, yeah, I'm not independently wealthy and I can't self fund. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's going to be one of the things that you have to do. And it's a really hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I'm told that as the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Right. It hasn't gotten easy for me yet, but. I'm working to it. All right. And then there's a party affiliation. You've got to pick a party, at least in most places, right? Right. North Smithfield has no party affiliation disclosures on the ballot for but most cities and towns do. School committee and for town council. Town stuff, right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, find out, you know, what, what are your convictions? Do you align more with the, the Democratic Party or the um, the Republican Party or the Libertarians party. or the Green Party? Uh, which party do you align yourself with? And then uh, see if there's a committee in your town or your city and then start talking to them because you may actually find that there's already someone running for that um, that seat for school committee or some other office and they already share some of your values. Now, you, you actually met with people, uh, met with the town committees as you were running for state senate. Yeah. And what was that like? Uh, did you find that there was uh, excitement? Were there other contenders out there? people that also wanted to run for that seat? Um, well, first it was kind of like, uh, well, you know, it was a state uh, Senate seat, so it was a little mm -hmm. different, but they were like, oh, it's going to be really tough because the incumbent's been there for 20 years. But when it became an open seat, uh, I actually met with one gentleman in Gloucester. We had a conversation and we, we were, I was going to run and I didn't realize he was going to run. But then in the end, he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to run. I'm going to support you. And uh, in Burrowville, I tried to reach out to the under individual that I found out that was going to run and he never uh, contacted me. So, but the thing is, if you can talk uh, to the to the individual, you may find that you don't need to run because right. you you like this person and maybe you want to help them. Right. You and know? in your case, the the guy in Gloucester that you met, he decided not to run. He was right. planning on running, and then he met you and said, "You know what? You're great. I'll support you." Yeah. So that was really good. And it all was because you you met with the town committee and met with some people there. So right. I would definitely encourage someone if you are interested in running your area, don't just do this as a lone wolf, but find um, find the committee. And uh, start talking to them, see if if there's anyone else running. And not just are they running, but most committees are there 
to help the local party. They want to see you win. So that means they they may already have a base of supporters and yeah. volunteers that will be able to uh, to help you and and um, and make sure that your campaign is a successful one. They they may volunteer by knocking on doors, helping uh, with the mail ballots. They may. And that's how I found my campaign manager was by right. going to an event, not a town committee event, mm-hmm. but it was a, an event where someone was just so excited and they said. I'm going to help you, whatever you need. And so um, it's building that network. So I think you're spot on on that. And then then there's the um, actually appointing a campaign manager. Uh, What was that like for you? It was at an event that I was at and um, she was actually, she was like, hey, are you related to David Delacruz? And I was like, oh, it's my husband. That's how. (laughs) Rhode Island is microscopic. (laughs) It's tiny. We're we're always bumping into each other. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is a family member that. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 